We celebrate 100 episodes. Episode 100, Alternative Health Tools Podcast. And my name is John Beethan, the producer of the show since the start of 2014. And we're welcoming you today to the 100th episode of Alternative Health Tools. And what we're going to do today is take a trip down Health Tools memory lane and introduce you to the hosts that made these 99 episodes possible. They'll be sharing each of their favorite episodes, including myself, and a little bit about why they chose those episodes, which was not a very easy decision, mainly because it became so obvious that any of the episodes offer insights and gems of wisdom useful to anyone along the path of their health journey. And a little bit of history. Alternative Health Tools' first episode was released on August 17, 2014, with Lisa Thorpe hosting the show. Lisa Thorpe took a much-needed break, and I took over hosting on December 2, 2015, until meeting Lisa Victoria from the UK, who hosted her first episode on August 23, 2019. Then, this year, in May 7, 2020, Lisa Victoria and I started alternating hosting duties, effectively becoming co-hosts from across the pond of each other. So in one episode, Lisa does an interview from the UK where she lives, and in the next episode, I host a conversation here in the San Diego area. So we've got um, three different sections, actually four, but I wanted to remind you that we're going to have a community Zoom call, and it's going to be Saturday, August 22nd, 2020 at 9.30 a.m. Pacific USA, which is like 12.30 p.m. in the States here, and 5.30 p.m. in the UK. And if you just go to the show notes for episode 100 at alternativehealthtools.com, there'll be a link there so you can register. So the sections we're doing today is Lisa Thorpe is going to share her favorite episode. Myself, I'm going to share my favorite episode. And then Lisa Victoria shares one of her favorite episodes. And you'll notice in the recording she mentioned two, but that episode 98 with Elaine Wilkins on fatigue, stress, and exhaustion which was one of her choices, we're going to actually air as a bonus episode a little bit later on. So the fourth section really is I'm going to be talking about the top eight all-time episode downloads. And once again, if you go to the show notes, you're going to see links to everything, including the show notes for these shows and also a link where you can listen to the complete shows. And once again, to remind you to join us for a live Zoom call with the practitioners. We're expecting many of them to show up. I don't really expect all of them to show up, but we're going to do what we can to get as many on the call as possible. So now we bring you episode 100 in celebration of Alternative Health Tools arriving at 100 episodes. Lisa Thorpe, my partner in crime, who together we started AlternativeHealthTools.com, the podcast. And actually, it went through several several names, didn't it, Lisa? At least three. Yeah, it was. What was the first one? Do you remember? Uh, Lucadia's Wellness, wasn't it? Or, or Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Lucadia Wellness. Yep. Which you won't find that URL anymore. Right. And then we changed it to... Encinitas Health and Wellness or something like that. 
And then I did a bunch of research and, and uh, discovered alternativehealthtools.com is available. So welcome, welcome, welcome. So this is a part of our 100th episode celebration. It all started with you and I. And do you remember where we met? Yes. When I had the office on the corner of Lucadia and 101, we had a wonderful park-like area. So I had decided to open a fair. We had a... You had, you had a, a wellness, a health fair. A wellness fair, exactly. And, and we should tell people what uh, office that was. I mean, the business that you have or had. Yeah. There. So I have two businesses. The uh, first one is our uh, training and clinical uh, company, Thorpe Institute of Integrated Medicine, and then our technology distribution company, which is Intelligent Bioenergetics or IntelBio.com. Mm-hmm. So we had Thorpe Institute at that location, and we did. We held a wellness fair with multiple practitioners and vendors. We had a wonderful day. And yeah, great. and that was the first day we met. It was a great day. Yeah, and I think, I, I don't know, I want to say it was in March. Sounds was about right. 2014, and then we did the first episode um, August 17th. But before we go there, you at the end had mentioned that and invited me to a Wednesday practitioner potluck. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. We're all eating, you know, green stuff and eating healthy. And people start talking about just, you know, health in general and healthcare. And and that's when I presented to you to start a podcast because it was just like really interesting conversations, right? Absolutely. And I I'm just love talking with other experts and I love health and wellness. This has been a part of my life for a long time and I love to talk. So it seemed like a perfect fit. It was a very, very perfect fit. Yeah. We, so, had, a great, we had a great time. Yeah, it was great. So the first episode was August 17th, 2014 with Kaz Murphy from Fully Loaded Micro Juicery. I remember. And I, I didn't even know about Kaz at that point. I wasn't too involved in the community at that point, but uh, is is he still running his juicery? The juicery is still there. He and his wife have moved uh, to Desert Hot Springs. Uh, however, mm. they're still running the company, and the juice is still amazing. Uh, anyone in the Lucadia, Encinitas, or North County, San Diego area absolutely should go do a, a five-day juice cleanse with uh, mm. fully loaded juice. They, they do an excellent job. It's all... Uh, cold-pressed, which is mm-hmm. excellent. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. You know, there was like, you did like 35 episodes hosting, and I was dragging my equipment in every, I don't know, I think it was Wednesday or Friday and into the office and setting it up, and then we'd go for it. And then there was a time where you just felt like you need to take a break, right? Mm-hmm. So every every podcaster does, by the way, just so you know. And moms, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keeping up, keep well. It's, it is, you know, choosing what you're going to do with every hour of the day uh, in life is is a strategic thing. And I love doing the shows. I could see myself doing a podcast uh, again in the future. But at the time, I really needed to spend more time focused on the children and some organizational things and. There were pressures uh, with the distribution side, with the technology I needed to focus on. So, 
yeah, you know, you gotta, you can't spread yourself too thin. You can't be everything to everybody and expect to be effective. But I, I love doing the podcast and everybody that we interviewed and uh, spent time with. What a gift, right? Just, just mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant people with so much to share. I, mm-hmm. I always uh, look back on it very fondly. Yeah, nice. We discussed the other day your favorite episode. And I, I remember the conversation the other day. It just it was obvious to me that so many were favorites. It was really kind of hard to to make a decision about what you wanted to talk about. But right, I could not make a decision initially because there are so many. I, I, I would have to say all of them because every single one brought something to light that I didn't know and that I really enjoyed sharing or that I did know, but there was a new t- turn on it and additional information. And there were a number of shows that I felt I'd love to reshare because they're important. But the at the end of the thought process, you'd ask me which was my favorite or which should I have more fun. And that was uh, the, the show that we did with Carrie Lake. And the reason was because I just had so much fun. Carrie you did. Yeah. She's, she's a really exceptional being. And I think what she shares, it, it's, you know, like there's nothing new under the sun, but there's new ways of communicating things. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's energy workers and Reiki healers. However, Carrie, the way she teaches the understanding of bioenergetics in the body and I would really describe her as a horse whisperer that brings that kind of um, natural technology to humans so that humans can understand how to be an energy whisperer. And that is is just wonderful. It's one of the reasons that I love our technology is because it enables us to teach people that they are the miracle and for them to start to experience energy or bioenergetics that I think sometimes um, it's not as palpable with energy work. Whereas Mm -hmm. with our technology, you can really start to feel energy move in the body. And I really had that experience immediately with Carrie, just sitting there doing the work and the awareness uh, with her. And of course, because I've done this kind of work for so long, it's just fun to play with energy and that's consciousness and so we had a, a real fun kind of cosmic play uh, during the show. And I, I hope that people can kind of get it remotely and start to feel how they are capable of opening energy in the body and mm-hmm. how when you open energy in the body through consciousness and mindfulness that you can create healing and manifestation and uh, empowerment, right? Clarity, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. My big takeaway from that show, but also working with Carrie, because I did some work with her as well, is that this is the one piece that I still work with every day. And I share it with as many people as possible. It's it's that piece about mind, watch the body. Wonderful. Mind, watch the body. Yeah. Because we have a tendency to live in our head. And, and, and something I realized I share with people is there are certain things that the mind cannot understand about the heart. Correct. And that's that the, you said the magic word, the heart. Mm-hmm. There is so much research now, and I direct people frequently to Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, which is along the same vein. 
he's teaching heart-centered me- meditation. Uh, Dronvalo Melchizedek with the Flower of Life books taught and does teach heart-centered meditation. Carrie's process of mind, watch the body, open heart. They're all similar. They have their own unique uh, methodologies, but the heart is is really the key that unlocks the door to the miraculous. And we know from organizations like Heart Math and Heart Rate Variability that the heart, it is the largest bioenergetic field. And when we can tap into that, this is a this is literally a, a, a bioenergetic or an electromagnetic force field, a sphere of, of capacitance that when it is, I mean, it's always there, but when we can access and, and participate consciously with our will, there's a limitless potential there. So that sounds super uh, amazing and scientific, but it's, it's really even simple. more so playful. And, mm-hmm. and I think we get it naturally as children, and animals certainly get it. Uh, but as we relearn it, I think, you know, playfulness and being heart-centered is, it just, there's no limit to what can be accomplished with, yeah. with that awareness. Yeah. One thing that stood, uh, the other thing that stood out to me about Carrie, just spending time with her and even that you'll find in this episode, is that regarding meditation and heart-centered and stuff, with Carrie, it's instantaneous. Correct. In other words, the notion of having to sit 20 minutes once or twice a day to gain some sort of something with Carrie, it's absolutely instantaneous. That's been my experience. So what's happened with me pretty much since I met Carrie was people ask me, do you do you meditate every day? And I kind of go, well, it's not like I sit and meditate necessarily, although sometimes I do, but I really am now focusing on making my life a meditation because Amen. you can do that. It can, it, yeah. Good luck, right, John? Good Amen. luck with no, that. No, it's true. But, but that's it's that's true. the playground I'm working with right now. Absolutely. I, I was just talking to somebody about you know we we have no control over anything other than our response, right? So this is the whole point of meditation or practices like this is the ability to respond rather than react. And there's a wonderful book uh, called The Untethered Soul, which Mm -hmm. dives deep into this method or this awareness and the ability to stay open. Uh, David Data has some wonderful work as well along these lines. And, you know, so, so many times in life as we grow older and go through trauma, we close and we isolate and we feel alone and we, we create a pattern of victimization. Uh, even if we were a victim, we have the ability to be much bigger than that and to learn to be open in life and present with each other. And I certainly have not mastered that. However, I've experienced it. And when you experience heart open and awareness and this, this ability to stay open even during pain or trauma or a situation where you definitely feel like closing and reacting and judging, but if you're capable of taking that deep breath, 
mind, watch the body, heart centered open. It's what they call kissing the dragon. Instead of it being a dragon in front of you, it turns into a butterfly. Because the heart sphere and the energy that's there, the presence that's that's there goes before you. And so where reactivity may have created a, a difficult situation and a dragon, so to speak, if we're able to stay present, stay open and kiss the dragon by allowing our heart to stay open, then it turns into a butterfly and the situation can become soothed and gentle and, and we can create healing in the moment for ourselves and for those around us. And that's, that's what Carrie teaches and it's super playful with her and it involves animals too, which makes it even more fun that she works with horses and dogs and, um, you know, so there's no, there's, uh, just limitless fun in that arena. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, anything else you want to say before we give a little teaser to the episode? Um, just a thank you to you, John, and to all of the wonderful people, practitioners that we had on the show and that now the new Lisa has on the show. I I just love bringing everyone's brilliance to light. And I think I, you know, there's a couple pointers that I share frequently. I think I'll reiterate, and I know there's many more, but, um, you know, we did a show about the desertification of the planet, and I felt that was another show I would love to retouch on because I believe if we want to get well and stay well, we can't just be focused on ourselves. We need to be focused on the larger community and the planet itself. Like this is holistic wellness. This is how we truly heal when we expand our awareness beyond our mind beyond our own heart and into connection with more and to the point that we're encompassing the whole planet and universe within our heart. So that was one. And then the other, I'm always telling people that longevity is directly related to muscle density to, to, so, so get your, get your squats in, get your free weights (laughs) out and uh, and make sure you're getting your electrolytes in. Uh, I like to continue to remind people of the things that I know work. Uh, and that, that's the whole point of the show. It's alternative health tools. It's tools for everybody that actually work and make a difference and that's accessible and a lot of times free. So uh, thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for being my partner in this wonderful crime. <laughs> <laughs> only only so- goodness. With all of that, we're going to bring you a few snippets of episode 51, Carrie Lake, and the episode is titled Tools for an Awakening World. Now, let's bring your awareness into your body because your mind has a library of answers to that question. Mm -hmm. But really what we want to do is know what it feels like to let the truth generate the word rather than go to, you know, a a bullet list of multiple choice for what could be the latest and greatest spirituality craze, right? We want to feel the truth generated from my own essence to the degree that my body goes, oh yeah, I feel that. And it may feel like the familiar ease and peace and calmness. It may feel different than that, but I will know it because it is 
unmistakably the tone of my own truth. Some people have not felt it for a long time. Some people have never felt it. But when we start acknowledging that the mind has all the answers, and you're right, you know everything, and you could go reference it, and I'm, I have no doubt of that. I have no doubt that you've experienced it enough times that you, have, you could provide proof. I have no doubt of that. But what I'm interested in is, well, how does it feel when we do start commanding our own integration to speed it up and speed it up and speed it up? It really helps to have this super awesome, playful, fun friendship between the mind and the body right. so that it's not the mind always you know, having the right answer. It's the mind going, okay, what are we doing? Okay, so that's what we're playing with right here. And again, not to say that your mind is missing anything, but the only way for the mind to know something new is when the body has a sensory experience. Okay, otherwise it's referencing things that it's, ha- it's seen before. Language, facts, books, experiences, right? So when we want to invite more of me than I've ever had before, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give the mind the job to watch my physical body because that's how the mind will know it's real, it's happening, and new is actually coming in. So what we're playing with here is recalibrating, redirecting your awareness to open to the sensations of you and only you in your body rather than giving your body over to the verbal and emotional ambient weather. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Be a bicky bye, be a bow, bicky bye, bow, be you boo, bicky bye, bow, boo. Hooray. That's the three stooges. Is that where that's from? C E C C I sicky size, C I so sicky size, so see you sue, sicky size, so sue. Wow, I had no idea where that came from. A, uh, yeah. One of my friends from high school taught it to me. <laughs> the Three Stooges, baby. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So what can I assist you with? I don't know. Why don't we just talk about, I, I don't know. Tell me, tell me how you assist people. That's a great question. Yeah, and how you assist animals. So I love what you already started, which is in what we're talking about with listening to the trees and listening to the animals. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will say, I don't really hear them, but I have this sensation of peace and this feeling of peace. So first and foremost, let's play with not separating hearing, vision, touch, and instead, let's just call it movement of consciousness. It's movement. It's consciousness moving. Right. And we have different sensory apparatus to pick up different uh, vibrations and tones of mm-hmm. particles of consciousness. Yes. Because I would say, no question, you hear animals. No question, you hear trees. The real question is, what expectation do you have of the information you're supposed to receive and what you expect yourself to be able to do with it? expectation of what it is of the information that you would receive when listening to a dog or a horse or a bird or a flower 
Or it's even simpler than that. Because what if we don't play in positive or negative? And just it. So, yes. I mean, can you prove to me that love is positive or negative? No. Love is ever present. I don't think I could prove. Prove... To prove something, you'd have to disprove it, and that, I don't think it's possible. But I think the concept it's a fun of game, though, yeah, a lot the of concept do it. <laughs> of love uh, for me is very easily equated to energy, mm-hmm. and energy is always present. Mm-hmm. So, so when would yeah. we ever not be in the oneness? We're not. I think we're at times just not in recognition of it. Well, of course. So. Yeah. This is a really brilliant moment, okay? We know the correct answer, that we are always connected. It's the correct answer. It's easy to just pull right off the shelf and go, oh, no, it's fine. We're always connected. Mm -hmm. But how many healers, how many people, how many people have been studying and practicing their whole life still say, oh, I'm just not connected right now. And I need to go here to be connected. I need to go there to be connected. Oh, right. here's what my but day like looks like. I said, like. I need to slow down. I to need feel to. Connected. I need. Yeah. I need. I need. Mm-hmm. I need. I need. Mm-hmm. So, hmm, I wonder. And so, let's just play with this for one second, mm-hmm. okay? I wonder what it actually feels like to just never step out of it. I wonder what it feels like to truly acknowledge and welcome in that I am never disconnected. I wonder what that feels like. I wonder. Now, to play with that, maybe check in with your own mind at the moment and just take a look at how many analysis filters have their switch flipped on right now. How many filters are functioning in your own mind right now? You don't have to get the right answer, but just take a look. It's optimized. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's optimized. Of course, because the mind has a ton of information Mm -hmm. and it has a ton of its own experience, right? So nothing I'm going to share, nothing I share anywhere is about bucking the mind. It's not about challenging what the mind knows. It's in fact the opposite. It's saying, yeah, you know, you know, lots of stuff. And you've been there and you've done that. Yes, you know. Now, hmm, I wonder what still has the power to take me away from me. I wonder why I would ever not feel connected. I wonder. So what would your mind say about that? Story. So what's a story? It really is just a thought, right? It's a thought. Well, actually, it's more than a thought. It's a judgment. Mm-hmm. A judgment of a judgment of a judgment of a judgment based on somebody right. else's judgment, and probably an inherited one, right? Like it was good. We know we inherit all the this DNA, this D- DNA uh, patterns, absolutely. So uh, all the cellular debris, right. All the Akashic record realms, mm-hmm. and as on top of the experience, and then those of us who were so gifted and came into this lifetime to flush it all out, right. rewrite it, and clear it this time. All of it gets bright, you know, brought right up to the surface, right? Yeah. So how simple can this really be? That was always my question. There's thousands of years of teachings. There's, I mean, well, more than, you know, whatever. Teachings forever. There are religions. There's belief systems. There's trainings. There's schoolings. There's on top of this and isms and all sorts of things, right? 
when you're a kid, you're taught, okay, you're supposed to pick something, spend 30 years learning it, and hopefully somebody will pay you so you can eat and exist. And oh, by the way, you're a sinner, right? <laughs> so you probably yes, didn't deserve it in the first place. <laughs> and, all, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you've got this cascade. But of don't de- worry, keep sinning, because you just have to ask for forgiveness. Exactly. <laughs> hey, that's a good loophole. Isn't that a creative it's one? one crazy loophole. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but, hmm. Am I really going to spend 30 years mastering everything that interests me? Probably not. So for myself, when I was 10 or 11, um, somewhere in there, my parents actually were, it was super Catholic in my dad's family. And my mom, not so much. That was super fear. Same as mine. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was really blessed that my parents actually said to me, you please, Carrie, you, you pick the religion that works for you. And we'll support you because they wanted to step away from all of the machinations of the Catholic Church and, and all of that good stuff. So how blessed am I that I was handed that opportunity? So I started looking around and asking questions, not of people, but, you know, I would go direct and ask for the truth. I didn't have any idea. I didn't have language for going direct. It was me and, you know, my buddies that you're, you know, once I started talking about them, that got a little scary for my parents. But I started asking, what is, why is Catholic, why does it exist? Why, why does a Christian exist? Why do any of these things exist? And where are they all pointing? Because if I decide I'm Catholic, and Catholic says that that other religion is wrong, or whatever, you know, this one says mm-hmm. that one's wrong, mm-hmm. well, that well, then I'd just have to turn around and be mean to other yeah, people. That makes no sense. I What I love is recognizing, like that moment when you recognize you just got hijacked right. into story or whatever the mind, whatever the, the fear it's suffering. is. Yeah. Well, that's judgment and all that yeah. good stuff, right? The moment that you recognize the hijack happened, that's a pop the champagne moment. Right. That's what I love. Like, that's the simplicity right there. But that simplicity comes with kindness, and people are so unaccustomed to that. People are unaccustomed to what kindness feels like moving through their body. Because, like you've already said, there's the fight or flight, the survival, the trying to figure out me versus something. Oh, no, it's, yeah. it's all right here. So this mm-hmm. is what's exciting to me, okay? Because the, the moment you would like to be aware of that dynamic before you step into it, you can have that with gentleness and kindness for yourself. Right. It's, but the, this, and this is part of what I love sharing with very gifted people, because it's not like a new tool. It's not a new teaching. It's not a new anything except for maybe a different way to play with your awareness, a different place to point it so that you get the heads up every time. You're still going to feel the pull. You're still going to feel every bit of magnetics that are in the room. You'll, you'll feel them two weeks before the family reunion, right? right? Yeah. yeah, it's one of the, it's, it's a really effective control tactic. Yeah. To convince people that what they're doing is oh, serious. Convince, convince. I Absolutely. Know. And that and we're trained. To we're trained to be convinced of things. We're trained to look for the black and white, we're tra- you know, the the polar opposite definition of whatever it is we think we want. And then 
we're trained to not move until our analysis is complete. It's all training. And then, you know, by that time, you can't really guarantee you're going to get it right anyway. So that, that dance right there was another thing that really drove me when I was younger to just say, I want the truth. I don't care about assessments. I want the truth. And I knew it because I could feel what true was. And I had done, I actually did analysis with myself, watching TV, with relationships in my family and people Mm -hmm. to get very clear on how my body feels in the presence of truth. Mm-hmm. And the animals guided me there because they they don't lie. They're right. always saying, well, this is how it feels to be me. Right. You know, and my body never lied either. I brought those two together and kept asking the animals, how do you guys keep giving to humans when humans don't hear you? They don't see you. They don't receive your love. They don't let themselves be loved. And yet you keep loving. How do you do it? And the it's the answer or the 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 gift unfolded over years and years and i didn't have words for it for the longest time but that's where the words the absence of judgment came from so mm-hmm. to characterize their answer to my question of how do you guys do it the answer was we live in the absence of judgment and that's beautiful we don't have a judgment for whether you used the correct bridle when you rode, whether you're using the right saddle. We don't have a judgment about whether you should have a collar or a body harness on your puppy dog. We don't have a judgment over how you use our dead bodies. Or pain versus They don't have judgment kindness. about pain right. or kindness. The they big, feel it. The, the big thing is, right, there's the lack of judgment between Absolutely. pain versus kindness. And now there's this... Um, very, very broad world of equine facilitated therapies and education and that, that kind of a thing, as well as, um, you know, therapy animals of all kinds. And I like therapy ponies and therapy pigs. Have you seen that? It's so cute. <laughs> but there too, what is it about the animal kingdom that feel that brings that sense of therapeuticness? No different with trees. What is it? What would you say? Ooh, uh, and just tune into your body and feel because the mind may not know this answer. Yeah, I mean, energy, energy is like the thing that always comes to but mind what, for me because. But what's energy? Um, let's look, let's look at this because that's one of your escape hatches. Yes, it is. Uh, okay, can so, you re- repeat the question? I will happily repeat the question. When we look at this this um, presence of animals or trees that we would call therapeutic. What is it that we're calling therapeutic? Connection. And what's connection? A resonant field. Like, it's a it's a feeling. It's a feeling. Okay. But what are you feeling? A calmness, a stillness. Mhm. And where's that from? How's that happen? Hmm, you could say God, you you could say That's, the universe, you sure. could say, um, you know, Christ so consciousness. What interrupts that then? Now, let's bring your awareness into your body because your mind has a library of answers to that question. Mm-hmm. But really, what we want to do is know what it feels like to let the truth generate the word rather than 
go to, you know, a, a bullet list of multiple choice for what could be the latest and greatest spirituality craze, right? We want to feel the truth generated from my own essence to the degree that my body goes, oh yeah, I feel that. And it may feel like the familiar ease and peace and calmness. It may feel different than that. Right. But I will know it because it is unmistakably the tone of my own truth. Some people have not felt it for a long time. Some people have never felt it. But when we start acknowledging that the mind has all the answers, and you're right, you know everything, and you could go reference it, and I'm, I have no doubt of that. I have no doubt that you've experienced it enough times that you, have, you could provide proof. I have no doubt of that. But what I'm interested in is... What's, how does it feel when what the words are generated from there? So take your awareness right to this place that presents itself to you. Don't go looking. What, where are you presented with the core center of my heart? Body, show me you feel it. Let your mind just watch the body. Let's not look to label it or understand it. Body, present me with the core center of my heart the golden essence of my uniqueness and let your body breathe. And the first place that lights up that your body lights up. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, I would be, it would be kind of just the, the center of like my, my both heart and solar plexus. Great. Kind of in between those two places. Beautiful. So now let's take your awareness right to the sensation of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we're going to get images, right? And the images are automatically going to reference out to other things we know. And I get that. That's how, the mind mm-hmm. loves to work. Mm-hmm. Let's acknowledge that. But what we want to do here is erase the board. Mm-hmm. Okay. <sighs> now, from my awareness, from the center core of my being, light up. Just like you can flip a switch. Body, there you go. Body, show me you feel it. Now watch how the physical body goes, oh, yeah, 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 I feel that. And what's it feel like to you? Joy. Uh, cool. Anything? Love. Yeah. And how about in the physical? Light. And how about in the physical? How does the physical feel? How does the physical tell you it's light? I know. Cool, huh? I know. I'm like, I don't know. I know. This well, is think, why we go like, to the physical. I think it gets into the, when you start to talk about something that's undescribable, the words never do it justice. It's like the I'm tower of Babel. You know, you, you can't right. really talk about a resonant field because if you're talking, you're not in it, right? Well, you're maybe. Like almost kind of popping. Yes, you're right. Some, sometimes you are. I, we always are. Exactly. So but, let's come right back to the physical. Yeah. Okay. And we'll give, we'll give the mind a little assistance because it's just stumbling over things, not wanting to mess up and not want, you know, wanting to do things really well. And I honor that. So erase the board and you're doing great. Okay. Let the body breathe. Like we're, we're not doing breathing exercises. Just remember, let the body breathe for itself. Now, heart center open, center core light up. Now watch the physical body. Watch the difference in how the physical body feels. And we'll play with, I'll give you another quick way to play with this, okay? Because you really do have your essence moving through you really nicely most of the time. And then sometimes we get hijacked. Right. Right? And then sometimes we really get hard on ourselves. And that's a big hijacking as well. But you have that, you have you moving through you 
most of the time really beautifully. So well done you, even with everything you've come through, okay? But is hmm. that uncommon? Um or is that there's no way to compare, but there right. are a lot of people who live four to six or eight feet right. above their heads. Right. Right. In the astral planes of consciousness. Right. right? So when we do start um, commanding our own integration to speed it up and speed it up and speed it up, it really helps to have this super awesome, playful, fun friendship between the mind and the body so that it's not the mind always, you know, having the right answer. It's the mind going, okay, what are we doing? Yeah. Okay. So that's what we're playing with right here. And again, not to say that your mind is missing anything, but the only way for the mind to know something new is when the body has a sensory experience. Okay. Otherwise it's referencing things that it's had, it's seen before language, facts, books, experiences, right? So when we want to invite more of me than I've ever had before, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give the mind the job to watch my physical body because that's how the mind will know it's real. It's happening and new is actually coming in. Okay. I love it. Oh, it's me beautiful. too. Yeah. 24 seven, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie, it was awesome. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for, for, uh, for doing this. Oh, Mike, thanks for playing. Yeah, thank yeah. you for showing up yeah. and, you know, dancing. And thank you, John. Nice work. Yeah. Hi, John. It's wonderful to reconnect with you again. Mm, thank you. It's always really wonderful to connect with you, too. And we're talking favorite episodes because we're celebrating our 100th episode of Alternative mm-hmm. Health Tools. And I'd love you to share with us what your favorite episode or episodes were, if you've got more than one. So what was, what would be your first one that's pops well, into your head? Well, I can talk about the first one, I will, in a minute, but all 99 are just kind of, they have, there's some gem in every one of those episodes that people can walk away with. But in particular, I actually did several episodes with Jake Eagle, mm-hmm. and the one I'm, we're, we're going to play a little snippet from, um, and it'll be very, very short, is episode 75, and it's titled, Jake Eagle Waking Up to Living a Conscious Life. Yeah, part of the reason it's a favorite is Jake and I actually worked together for several years when I lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I studied neurolinguistic programming with him because he was certified and had an awesome program. I took his program twice. Wow. But he, yeah, but he went on to um create create a whole program. And the reason it's a favorite is because um on this particular episode Jake calls me out on honesty. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, and I am perfectly fine with that because, you know, basically I've always thought of myself as an honest person, but Jake kind of nailed it in terms of what honesty really is. So. Sounds very exciting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for people to listen to that episode. Um, and I'm, I have no problems with being called out on that because there's there's levels and degrees of everything. And just curious, before we play a clip of that, why did you take his course twice? 
What made Why you go I back run? for seconds? What, what made oh, you go sure. back for the second time? Well, the first time I took his, the practitioner's course in neurolinguistic programming. I had met him through my massage therapist who was dating him at the time, and they eventually became married. But I was really unhappy in my marriage, and it wasn't going really well. So I took the course and uh, because I, I just really wanted to spend some time with myself and do something. And my wife basically really didn't want me to take this course. I'm sure she was threatened. You know, by possibility of, you know, the relationship changing. And in fact, the first day of the course, I walked up to Jake and I just said, you know, I'm not going to do the course. And Jake looked at me and said, oh, so you're, you're, you're choosing her over you. Is that it? Wow. And I kind of went, uh-oh. <laughs> that he called you out there as well. Yes, he did. And I stayed and went through the course. But the thing about it was the I was in the middle of a divorce. I started in the middle of a divorce. And uh, actually, she and I did some therapy work with him. And uh, he basically said, you guys are a mess. The only way you're ever going to survive this is if you treat each other as invalids and take really good care of yourself. Wow. Yeah. So, and it just didn't go very well. So anyway, I went through the course. It was a year-long course. The way he taught the course was rather than going through a practitioner's course for a week or two, mm -hmm. he would do a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday once a month for a year. And then when you left that weekend, you were encouraged to actually reach out to people that were in the course mm -hmm. to, like, gather on Wednesdays and practice some of the interventions and techniques and stuff like that. So anyway, I went through this whole year and at the end of the year, I mean, I gained so much from it, but at the same time, I realized that I'd been highly disassociated most of that year. Yes. I just wasn't present. Mm -hmm. So the next year when he did the course, I just signed up to do it again. And I bet you heard the same things, but completely differently the second time around. Yeah, exactly. You know that one, right? Yeah. Just like... Alternative Health Tools episodes is just yeah. you can go back and listen to them again and go, I, I never heard that the first time. That's what's wonderful, isn't it, is, is revisiting uh -huh. things and consolidating that learning. And what I love about what you said about Jake's courses is that practice time in between and not rushing it because it mm -hmm. is about putting it into practice, isn't it? We, can't, we can learn something, but until we start truly living it, mm -hmm. it doesn't become part of us, does it? Mm -hmm. Well, so, you know, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, should we play the clip? No. No. Not yet. Okay, <laughs> we've got more to add. I just wanted to add that my foundation is like this. At the age of 25, I uh, met somebody really kind of special and ended up living on Orcas Island off the coast of Seattle for seven years at the Lewis Foundation. The program there was, and, and, and was great, was meditate, study, apply, repeat. Mm. So meditate, study, apply, repeat. What so a great that, formula. Yeah. And so like even with Jake's class, it was the same thing. There was like not really meditation, but it was study, apply, repeat, study, apply, repeat. So anyway, yeah, now we can 
play that part of the episode. I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. And let's listen to it. Okay. And the cool thing about this is that we can change the meaning we make. Mm. And we've all done it. We, mm. We've had relationships with somebody and maybe we're um, upset or angry at that person. And then we get a phone call and we find out that that person has suffered some kind of tragedy. And all of a sudden, we think of them in a different way. And meaning changes in an instant. So for the last many years, that's been my focus, is, is helping people learn a different way to communicate where they free themselves from a lot of preconceived ideas and a lot of old stories. That's pretty much been the work that we've been doing for the last several years. So anytime when I'm relating with people, if I am doing so with honesty, integrity, courage, and love, mm. the future will naturally unfold in a productive, healthy way. If I am not relating with those criteria, then I can't trust the future mm -hmm. to be safe. It often is true for people who value kindness that they don't rate honesty as highly. It won't be necessarily one of their top values. And the reason is that oftentimes, to be honest, doesn't feel like we're being kind. Because sometimes wow. we're delivering difficult information to people or sometimes we're withholding information from people. To me, that's an example of not being honest. Meditation on our website is called a four-minute meditation because it takes four minutes. The reason it's so powerful, there are two reasons. One is because it only takes four minutes. And so what that means is when you don't have time to do a 10 or 20-minute meditation, you can do this. And the benefits are almost as great. Um, the meditation is very thoughtfully designed and it's called an integrative meditation. And when I say integrative, what I mean is that you are collecting different aspects of yourself as you go through the meditation. Yeah, um, I don't know if you'd like to talk about sort of the different phases of um, the evolution of my work. Uh, when, when you and I met, I was doing brief therapy. And I was a big believer in that. So people would want to quit smoking. They would want to lose weight. They would have various challenges. And typically in one or two or three sessions, people would have a solution to those problems. I was going to call them superficial problems. Uh, they're not superficial when the person is suffering from whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But they are not really deep. Um, existential issues. Mm -hmm. So that's where I started out, out and um, I did that work for probably seven to ten years. And then what I realized is that I, at that time, was in my 40s and I had an experience where I realized I was still very anxious at some deep level. So I'd been working on myself diligently for many years and yet I had this deep underlying anxiety and that became a driver for me. It was like, what is this anxiety? Why do I have it after so many years? And that's when I started doing what I call deep work. And it was focused on figuring out what is it that people repress? Because that which I repress is going to contribute to my anxiety. If there are things about me that either I don't know, or maybe I know, but I don't want you to know, then when I go out in the world, I'm anxious because either I or other people will see those aspects of me. Mm. So for several years, I was doing this very deep work with people, extremely rewarding. And then in the mid-90s, Hannah and I, my wife, Hannah and I met um, 
an elderly couple, John and Joyce Weir, and they were teaching a model, which they'd been teaching for 30 years, where they asked people to use language in a different way. And the key was that it asked people to use language in a way where they realized that they were making up meaning of whatever happened. They weren't saying events didn't happen. Things happen. People get in car accidents. People have serious illnesses. But the question is, how do I make meaning of what happens? And can I take responsibility for the meaning I'm making? Going deeper into the meaning of meaning, primarily to help people realize and remember that they are making up meaning. And when they do, two things happen. First of all, they empower themselves because they go, well, I have a choice in how I interpret and make meaning. And that can be remarkably empowering. But then the, the, the more challenging part is then they start to question, well, does anything mean anything? Mm-hmm. And they can, they can go into a little bit of despair around that. It's like, well, what really, what is the purpose of life? What is the meaning? Interesting. Yeah. And the answer is, it's up to you. Yeah. It's up to you. It's up to you to determine the meaning of your life, the purpose of your life. And oftentimes people resist that. They want the meaning to be defined by someone else or some external source. But when they really get their mind around it and they accept that it's up to them to determine the meaning of their lives, usually there's a profound shift that occurs at that point. Uh-huh. Interesting. Because I really do believe if when people do think it is so, then for them... It is. It's sort of like, I think I might have learned this from you, is that you can't argue another person's reality. Yeah, and it's an example of what happens in therapy. So a client comes in to see the therapist and they say, oh, I had a terrible day yesterday. My wife uh, yelled at me and she humiliated me. Mm. And she did it in front of other people. And the therapist says, oh, I'm so sorry. That sounds really difficult. Now, when the therapist does that, what they're doing is they're validating the client's perception and the way the client makes meaning of what happened. Mm. And mm. so they reinforce what to me is an illusion. You see, the, the, yeah. the, wife, the wife that yelled at the husband, she didn't embarrass him. She didn't humiliate him. She's doing whatever she's doing, and, and we don't know why. He then has a choice in terms of how he interprets that and how he responds to it. He's not a victim. She didn't do anything to him. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate your point that you don't, hopefully we don't just roll along with people and validate whatever they say as if it's reality because it isn't. At least when you, let, let's say that people process information of one, of one of three ways, they're visual, they're auditory, or they're kinesthetic, and you were very visual and still are. So that meant that you were getting an experience, but not getting the full range of experiences, but still you were doing it in real time and three dimensionality. Mm-hmm. When you, when you reduce that to looking at a screen, it's not only cutting out certain aspects in terms of how you relate with the world, but it's not, it's, it, it, it's missing this huge component of other people being in your presence. Yeah. 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 There's, you have a favorite, so, yeah. you have a favorite quote about this, don't you? Yeah, I have a quote from Rollo May that it doesn't just pertain to millennials, it pertains to all of us. And the, right. quote, the quote goes like this. It says, does not the uncertainty of our time teach us the most important lesson of all, that the ultimate criteria are the honesty, integrity, courage, and love of a given moment of relatedness? 
If we do not have that, then we are not building for the future anyway. And if we do have it, then we can trust the future to itself. Mm. And, and so let me summarize it yeah. for people who haven't heard it before. The point is that he's talking about, does not the uncertainty of our time. Well, all times are uncertain. Mm. There, there always is uncertainty. So this applies all the time. And then he's talking about any moment of relatedness. And what he means is any time when we're relating with people. Mm. So any time when I'm relating with people, if I am doing so with honesty, integrity, courage, and love, mm. the future will naturally unfold in a productive, healthy way. Mm. If I am not relating with those criteria, then I can't trust the future mm. to be safe. And I think one important thing for your listeners is that they don't have to accept the four criteria that Rollo May offered up. So he uses honesty, integrity, courage, and love. Um, I would encourage your audience to take time to write down the four criteria that guide them in their lives. What are the four values that you want to guide you in your lives? For example, he uses honesty, integrity, courage, and love. Well, I don't use courage. I've replaced courage with the word kindness. Mm, And so for me, I guide myself by always being honest, always coming from a place of integrity, always being kind and loving. The reason I replace courage with kindness is because when I think of the need to be courageous, I, I feel myself tense. It's like I have to brace myself. I have to get ready to do something that's difficult. Where I don't believe things in life need to be difficult. I don't think that relationships need to be difficult. So that's why I I changed the word courage. I replaced it with kindness. And I encourage your audience to look for their own words, their own values, and then use those to measure yourself on a daily basis. Well, I think that when we're not honest, what happens is we end up in situations and we get surprised because we haven't Mm -hmm. been fully disclosing. We don't always ask for what we don't want. We don't always set clear boundaries with other people. And then we end up down the road and uh, surprises occur. People ask us to do things we don't want to do or they behave in ways that are unacceptable. And it's a surprise because we weren't honest from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to go back. But then there's, there is a technique you guys teach about that, right? Redoing there yourself? is, yeah. And it's probably the simplest and one of the most powerful things we teach. And it is really, it's really elegant because it's so simple. We call it the redo, R-E-D-O. And the redo is a matter of going back after any time or incident where I behave in a way that I don't feel good about. If I conducted myself in some way I don't feel good about, I go back to the person. I, I don't necessarily apologize. I don't necessarily explain what happened. I just say, John, I'd like to redo the way I spoke to you before. Mm -hmm. And and here's what I wish I had said. This is what I meant to say. And now I speak to you in a way that I wish I had spoken to you before, whether it was five minutes ago or five months ago. And the great thing about the redo is that I can do it anytime I want. People are incredibly receptive when I go to them and offer a redo mm-hmm. because I'm taking responsibility. I, I am, I'm not blaming anything on another person. I'm just saying I'm not pleased with the way I handled our interaction and I want to redo myself. And I've never had anybody resist when I offer a redo. Yeah. 
there's something else going on too. There's a word I would use called grace. It's an incredibly graceful way to yeah. relate with another person. It is. I agree. And, um, there's another quote. This is a Viktor Frankl quote. Viktor Frankl said that between the stimulus and the response, there is a space, and in that space is our power and our freedom. What he meant is that in that space is our power and freedom to choose. So here's the thing. If, there, if you and I have an interaction on a Tuesday morning, and it, I, I'm not pleased with the way I speak to you. It doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. And that's the stimulus. And the response is you know, I, I have a choice in terms of my response. I can live with the fact that I am not happy with our interaction or I can come back to you and redo myself. Say, John, I want to I do that again. Mm-hmm. The more time that goes between the original stimulus and the, more, and the response is the, the greater amount of suffering. Mm-hmm. It's time in which we're not connected. It's time in which I am probably talking to myself self-critically or having regrets. So, The other thing about the redo is that the sooner I do it, the less I suffer. Lisa Victoria from Across the Pond, how are you this morning? I'm amazing, thank you. And it's actually afternoon here, but uh, yeah. It's 7 o'clock a.m. here. And 3 p.m. here. Oh, my gosh. You are across the pond. And technology is wonderful that we can communicate so far away, isn't it? It's wonderful. Yeah. So what's great about today's episode is we're celebrating the 100th episode. And we have some special things going on because, uh, you know, there's been a couple different hosts and co-hosts. And uh, Lisa came on board um, last year in 2019 where I met her at a at a first Friday breakfast at the Carlsbad and Chamber of Commerce. That's in, that's in Carlsbad, California. She was there visiting and, and, uh, you were at a table I was at, there was like six of us. And when you started speaking about where you came from in terms of healthcare and stuff, I just, I'm sitting, I'm looking across the table with Lisa and I'm going, Oh my God, there's an angel right there, right there. Because <laughs> I remember you, just, you saying that. Yeah, you just, you had that glow to you, and then when you opened your mouth, it was like, it is an angel! So anyway, and then uh, we we discussed uh, actually having her uh, host the show, and then a couple months ago, we decided to co-host. So it's like one episode with Lisa, one episode with John. So it's like UK, US, UK, US. But uh, this show is about sharing... Uh, some episodes that we just really like. We're not playing the whole episodes, just excerpts out of it. But Lisa, you had two episodes that you said were your favorite. I, I actually asked her for one, but she just couldn't give me one. There were <laughs> two. So which episodes were they? So the first one is episode 86 with Alan Cohen, uh, Being Your Authentic Self. And one mm. of the things that I loved about it was when the student's ready, the teacher appears and, and just... You know, when we discussed about um, how we met, I was actually visiting my cousin in Carlsbad for the very first time since she's lived there for many years now. And I was just lying in bed one evening and I thought, oh, I wonder if I can make some friends whilst I'm here. Uh, you know, I've heard that Carlsbad in California is very kind of forward thinking for health and well-being. 
And I just went on the internet and that's when I saw the Chamber of Commerce event the next morning. Mm. And I thought, wow, I can't even email them. It's 11 o'clock at night. So I thought, I'm just going to jump in a taxi and just turn up. And when I said I'd like to come in as a a guest, they said, well, we need to wait for a space to, you know, um, put you on a table because we're full at the minute. So about 10, 15 minutes later, they came and found me and they put me on the table that you were on. So I don't think there's any coincidences. Mm. And going back to Alan's, um, you know, comment that, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And I've learned a lot from you from podcasting over the last year. So first and foremost, thank you, John. It's been a wonderful experience and I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, well, when you know, I feel the same way. I've I've learned a lot. You, I've been open to, um, I've been open to this gentility in you and a perspective of healthcare with your with your own uh, perspective, and it's just been really really wonderful. And I think it's you know, I I have a lot of gratitude for you. I really do. It's just and wonderful. Likewise. Yeah. So let's take a listen a little bit up to. Um, this is episode eighty six with Alan Cohen. Uh, lots of wonderful teachers have found me. I, I don't go looking for them, but they get I get connected. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yes. And I found A Course in Miracles, and mm-hmm. uh, that really meant a lot to me. And so uh, it's been an ongoing evolution of discovery and figuring stuff out and learning from trials and errors, more errors than I care to admit, but mm-hmm. it's all it's all part of it. It's all part of our journey, isn't yeah, it? And yeah. we've all got moments in our lives that, you know, one of the things when I talk to my clients is I say there's never bad times, there's only mm. good times and lessons. And it's yeah. what can we learn from those lessons yeah. and how can we use that to help more people, I guess. Yeah. Because when we felt that pain and we've had that lesson, yeah. we can translate that into something positive. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I often say that every minus is half of a plus oh, that's waiting that. for a stroke of vertical awareness. Oh, wow. That's and amazing. so sometimes the most challenging experiences are the ones that force us to look inward and think more about who we really are, what we're doing here, and they catapult us forward. So there's, there's really no moment on the spiritual path that is vacant of meaning and purpose. Everything leads us to where we are and where we need to go. And it's all part of our journey, isn't it? It's all connected. Yeah. And... This is like a marathon weekend. We just spent hours and hours with the same group of people. And I was kind of BSing. I was laying my story out without much substance. And then at the end of the, <laughs> the last night of the weekend, it was like an all-nighter, somebody said to me, Alan, how are you feeling? And I said, I feel comfortable. And somebody looked at me and said, we don't look very comfortable to me. And somebody else said, you don't look comfortable to me either. And when there are 11 people in the group besides me, and they all said, you don't seem very comfortable to me, I realized that I hadn't fooled anybody. And so this little voice in my head said, you know, it's okay, Alan, you can let go. You can just be yourself. And I said, you know what? I haven't really been very comfortable in this group at all. And everybody went, yay, told the truth finally. And... I know it sounds like a little tiny moment, but it was a shift for me where I realized that my presentation and my social image management mm-hmm. was not really working. <laughs> I, I had fooled no one except myself. And so I realized that when I'm authentic and I am myself and I speak my truth, then 
that brings me rewards far greater than playing a game and trying to be somebody I'm not. So it doesn't sound like a real cosmic experience, but for me it was a a real turning point where I made a decision that I could be myself and I would succeed far more than if I was somebody else. You know, it's just like this whole world opened to me that I did not know was available because I was busy living in this little box and suddenly, you know, my world, the potential in my world just expanded infinitely, which led me to writing books, to teaching and you know, it's just amazing what one decision to live authentically can lead to. It was endless. It's still going on. So I guess what do you think, you know, is the biggest challenge for people in that they're not being their authentic selves? What do you think the biggest challenge is? Well, it all comes back to fear. Mm-hmm. You know, of Course in Miracles tells us that every moment we're either choosing between fear and love. Mm-hmm. And so when we've been programmed to be afraid that if we are ourselves, we're going to be punished, we start to develop these huge defense systems and huge facades and huge armoring that we think is protecting us, but it's really trapping us. And so, um, you know, if people could just choose self-trust rather than self-judgment or self-honoring instead of self-proving, then everything changes. It, it all, everything comes. Everything that doesn't work comes back to fear, mm-hmm. and everything that does work comes back to love. So, for our listeners out there, if if they're feeling fearful and they're stuck and they're saying, "Yeah, that makes total sense. I should come from a place of love mm-hmm. and my authentic self," and I get that that's where the magic happens, mm-hmm. but they're feeling stuck in fear. Have yeah. you got any advice to them that would help them start on their journey? Yeah. Um, you have to notice how you're feeling when fear has overtaken you. Because it takes a lot of convincing to make believe that fear feels good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And you have to be really honest about where your pain is, because that's the first step to peeling it away. Then you have to ask yourself, okay, if I were not afraid, what would I be doing differently? Mm-hmm. If I trusted myself, what would I be doing differently? If I love myself, what would I be doing differently? And you start to get back in touch with the real you that has not been engulfed by fear. And that that start that vision it just starts out as an idea, but eventually it's a reality because that's who you were anyway. So self awareness is really big important as important and so is honesty. And and also holding and building the vision of our highest and truest self, and and recognizing that that's that's where we belong. That's what we came to do. And I guess just dropping to your heart and listening to what your heart wants, yeah. rather than what society tells us we should do or yeah. conform. It should, could, would. They're really yeah. quite negative words aren't they because yeah. we're always thinking we need more but actually we just need to be our true authentic we selves we need to go in you know we've all gone out a lot yeah. more than we know we've, we've searched the world for the mate and the money and the house and the fame and it's very limited returns on that you know but when you go in and you drop into your heart and and connect with your spirit then there are rewards that the outer world can never deliver Thinking about your true authentic self and 
who would you be? What would that look like? How would that yeah. feel? And just let that take you on a journey. Yes. And, and you know, we all have guidance. Mm -hmm. And the guidance speaks to us through our heart. And, you know, journey is one step at a time. And you may not know what your ultimate life's purpose is, or what your profession is, or what your mate is. But there's always one little baby step you could take. And spirit never denies that of us. Mm -hmm. Spirit doesn't tease us. Mm -hmm. And there's always at least one little thing you do that would move in the direction of your true self. And that one thing leads to the next and the next. And so um, God is not a demanding God. I know religions teach that God is. But, you know, I think God loves us more than we understand. I mean, you don't, don't like the word God, higher power, spirit, whatever. Mm -hmm. That, um, you know, that there's always something we can do on our behalf. And it's always shown to us. Like if you ask sincerely and say, okay, what's next? What would you have me do? You get an answer, either inside or outside. You get an answer. So rather than it being difficult, it's just a journey yeah. that flows. Yeah. Life is supposed to flow. It's not supposed to be difficult. Yeah. All, in all my books, I say, let it be easy. Struggle is not required. I love that. What a great <laughs> quote. <laughs> and out of all your amazing books, what book would you recommend somebody start with if they're, I mean, obviously different mm -hmm. people are going to be drawn to different books, but is yeah. there one that would be a good book for them to just pick up and get started? Yeah. My book is called, I had it all the time. Mm -hmm. I had it all the time. And it came a time in a life when I had realized that searching and searching and searching was not going to do it. But going in and claiming that the power I was seeking is already within me. Mm -hmm. That was more empowering than being an eternal seeker. So there's a lot of good essays in the book about self-empowerment and finding what you're looking for inside. Wow, I love that. Go and get yourself a copy, guys. That'll be a fantastic read. Is there anything else you want to share with our readers? Is there anything you feel like there's a message to give us? I think each of us has a, a divine purpose, a divine mission. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be a missionary or a teacher or a healer. You know, if you're a mother or a van driver or a waitress or a student or a tech support agent or a code writer, I mean, wherever you find yourself, there are ways to infuse spirit in whatever you're doing. And most people are hard on themselves. They're judgmental on themselves. They think they're never enough. And I think just to get a massage or take a good bath or go to a good movie or eat a good meal or just hang out with somebody you love. You know, those forms of kindness to self really soothe the soul and they open the door to greater vision of whatever you're, whatever you're supposed to be doing in the world. So, you know, begin with lighting up, lightening up on yourself and trusting yourself and do what makes you happy. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but do, you know, do what soothes you and, You'll end, up be a, you'll end up being a soother to the world. Wow. I, I just absolutely love your energy, mm. and it's been such a pleasure talking mm. to you. And I'm sure that our listeners are going to get so much value mm. from this. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And everybody else's heart for being with us today. Um, You're doing wonderful things, and all your listeners are very blessed. I know you bring a very high consciousness to your listeners. So thank bravo, you. bravo. Thank you very much.
that was great, Lisa. Both uh, Alan and, and Elaine have, there's a lot of wisdom there, huh? And I think, you know, like you say, there's a lot of wisdom there, but there's a lot of wisdom in all the episodes. And I'm sure we all mm-hmm. have our kind of favorites that resonate with us. You've got yours. I've got mine. I mean, I, I love them yep. all. Um, and I guess through different stages of my life, I'll probably lean towards one more than the other because we can always go back and revisit and learn more from them because I always think that even if you read a book sometimes when you read it for a second time you hit you read something differently or you learn something different so mm-hmm. I, you know I invite our listeners to have a think about what their favorite episodes were and why and if you've not listened to them all then maybe just dip in and out of them and we're going to be doing something very special soon aren't we John? Yes we are about two weeks after this episode releases, and we haven't got a date yet, so you're going to want to listen to the end of the episode, we're going to be sending out um, a notification invitation to all of the practitioners, all 99-plus of them, to do an open Zoom session. So kind of, we still don't have a date or a time, but it most likely is going to be something because you've got your folks in the UK, we have our folks here in the United States, so it's probably going to be pretty early for me and maybe late afternoon for you, Lisa. Uh-huh. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds just right. Yeah, so we, we'd love to hear and interact, and it'll be an op- awesome opportunity for people to share their journeys, and, um, and uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing. Wonderful. I so can't wait. I'm really you want to let people know? I'm sorry, what? I said it's wonderful. I'm really excited to experience that because I think it'll be a great episode being able to do it on Zoom and interact with people and, yeah, just connect with our listeners. Yeah. So you're spending quite a bit of time on Zoom, are you? Yes. Yeah. Everybody is. Everybody is. is. It's the new way now, isn't it? And It sure is. Talking to a lot of people, yeah, we were over on the coast at the weekend, um, Norfolk Coast, if anybody's familiar with that um, on the east coast actually but they the place where we stayed at was facing west so we had the most beautiful sunset but one of the things that they said there was the property market's booming because people are actually realizing they don't need to be in london five days a week and people are reassessing their lives and we can do meetings virtually and the house prices have just skyrocketed over on the coast and it's just, mm. I think it's nice that people have had the opportunity to take some time to reflect and look at that self-care. And, you know, that's one of the things that I'm very passionate about helping people do and moving them forwards on their journey. And that's quite a lot of work I've been doing with my clients recently is, you know, that reassessment and connecting back to their authentic self, as Alan Cohen would say. So, yeah, I guess if there's anyone out there who wants to have a chat with me, just pick up the phone or um, drop me an email. It's shine. S-H-I-N-E at lisavictoria.co.uk and I'd love to have a chat with you. Take her up on the offer. So once again, it's shine at lisavictoria.co.uk. All right, Lisa. Well, I will talk to you soon and I'll definitely see you on the uh, Zoom call. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm really looking forward to it too. Thanks, John. You're welcome. All right, so now for the top eight all-time episode downloads. And just so you know, in the show notes, there's a link to all eight of them if you want to go listen to them. But at the top, actually number one, going through number eight, is episode 75 with Jake Eagle, Waking Up to Living a Conscious Life. Episode 
65 with Jessica Louie Brand, titled Biofield Energy Medicine. Episode 69 with Melissa Woods, Getting Past Anxiety. Episode 74 with Dr. Julie Beaton, titled Human Design System and Spirituality. Episode 76 with Natalie Walker, titled Pilates Post-Rehab and Injury Recovery. And then episode 78 with Lisa Victoria, our very own, titled Health from Across the Pond. Episode 77 with Kelly McNeil, titled Rise Performance Coach. And the last and certainly not least is episode 73 with Melody Owens, titled Fine Artist, Love is My Medium. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. And once again, just a reminder to go by the show notes and sign up for the Zoom community call, which is on August 22nd. And do hope you have a good, safe day.